You're listening to the Opening Statements Podcast, brought to you by HyperChat Social, the podcast bringing you real lawyers and their real stories. I'm Laura. I'm Rebecca. And this week, our guest is the one and only Sarah Kaki, founding partner of the Atlanta Divorce Law Group. She's been distinguished by Atlanta Magazine and Super Lawyers as a rising star. She's also been named by Georgia Trend Magazine as a legal elite. In 2019, Law Firm 500 named the Atlanta Divorce Law Group the fastest growing law firm in the country and... If you didn't need more, they've also been featured in Vanity Fair. Whoop, whoop. And today, her most prestigious honor, she joins the Opening Statements podcast. Court is now in session. Welcome to the show. Thank you, ladies. That was an amazing intro. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it, you you are an amazing person. You've got, you got it all to show. So we're going to talk about it. So take us back to when you were in college. Like, what made you pursue law? So I come from a very Persian family, which means everybody in the family has an opinion about what you should be. And um, if you know anything about the Persian culture, you have three options, uh, doctor, mm-hmm. lawyer, or engineer. Oh, Ooh, engineer, okay. Okay, so that's on the table. And yep. your options for marriage are doctor, lawyer, engineer. or engineer. <laughs> what does your Fair. husband do? He's an engineer. There you go. <laughs> Um, You're keeping the family proud. Yes, yes. It's, it's, a, it's a burden, but you know what? We're, I, we love doing it. I love our culture. And so growing up, those were honestly the three options rolling around my head. And I really wanted to go for the med- medicine because I think if we're going to be honest, that's probably like the highest one of prestige and the one that I felt like was going to make the whole family proud. Now, I say the whole family. I mean like my whole big fat Persian family, not just my parents. <laughs> yeah. All uncles and aunts and everybody involved. And But it was very clear I should not be near blood I should not be near hospitals I should not be near sick people and but I really love to run my mouth and I love to talk and I love to debate and I just thrive on challenging anything were you always that way I was always that way so if you just said one thing even I didn't even know what I believed about it I just wanted to go argue against it that's just how I was (laughs) wired I loved challenging everything and you know, I also love political science and history. And when I was in high school, my best friend used to say, man, you just really need to go into law school. Like, you would thrive. And I was like, no, no. And I would shut down that voice. And I, in my gut, I knew she was right. Um, and, you know, I'm an immigrant. So one of my biggest loves is the U.S. Constitution. I don't think anybody other than immigrants who've studied the U.S. Constitution understand, like, how beautiful this document is and how amazing it is for the human spirit and for anybody that just wants to grow and change and be in a um, in a country that fosters mm-hmm. that, in a country that understands that we don't know what the future holds but we are leaving room for growth and change. And I think that's what the Constitution was. So I was a, I fell in love with the Constitution the moment I came to America. And I, was, I was 14 years old. You were 14. Okay. Yeah. And um, so when it came time in college, I was a chemistry major. I was thinking about being a vet because that was the only thing I could even get myself close to, to thinking about being in medicine. I was like, okay, I'll be a vet where I don't have to touch humans, but I can touch animals. <laughs> This is how much I was dancing around this. Um, My first semester after I finished my first political science class, 
I was in tears and I'm like, I can't believe this is the end. This is the last time I get to like study these things and have open debates in the classroom and think about the constitution and all that. And then I turned to my family and I was like, can I go to law school instead? They're like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, whoa. That was not in the top three. That was not in, that was not like number one out of three, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did. And um, it, it was very obvious that that's what was meant to be for me. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. So, okay. So what would you say is the favorite thing about the area of law that you practice in? So uh, we, we, I practice family law, obviously, mm-hmm. with the Atlanta Divorce Law Group name. Um, I love the people part of it. That was, yeah. and it's the family stories. I'm obviously come from a big family. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I just love family so much. To me, it's like one of my biggest priorities in life. And I think family is such a vehicle for us to like learn about ourselves and learn how we operate within um, units and mm-hmm. within um, relationship with others. And I feel like if you practice family law correctly, when you do it with that sense of responsibility towards families and a sense of really um, respecting the institution of marriage and what it does, we can bring um, more meaningful practice to this. We don't Mm -hmm. take divorce lightly. In our firm, we don't take divorce lightly at all. And actually a lot of people that come and meet with us for the first time, they kind of have to convince us that this is really- What they wanna do. Yes, that this is truly the next best thing um, from working on the marriage. We've we've paid for a lot of people to go to therapy. Um, We offer group therapy. We do a lot of things so that by the time the decision comes, they feel fully clear in their conscience that this was truly the right decision for me. And then that way, I think you can still preserve the family. Mm-hmm. If the decision was made from a um, holistic place of empowerment versus uh, uh, just a moment, momentum quick, okay, I'll just p- pull the plug kind of thing. Yeah, like running from it, not even trying to, to solve exactly. it. Exactly, yep. running away from something versus facing it. Yep. Absolutely. Have you always been in the family law? area or where did you where'd your career kind of start yeah so my first um summers during law school and even before law school and college i used to work for a family law firm and um i loved it and i enjoyed it i was i spent my time between family law and business law there and i I loved it very much the client interaction but um faith actually took me down the path of doing social security disability when i first Hmm. came out of law school and it was a funny time in um graduation was 2008 so we were sort of looking for the best opportunities I mean that we were in the middle of a recession so the best job offer I actually got at that point was in social a social security firm in Chattanooga and you know I love that too because it was people it was about mm-hmm. people it was about helping yeah. people and it was constant being before the judge being before a court a um, lot of moving parts so I got to argue and I got to fight in court and I loved it and I got to talk with clients and feel like I was at advocating um, but and I started my own firm my first firm in social security disability and then after uh, 2016 is when I was like okay I have that firm running I really want to also go after my other passion which is mm-hmm. family law do you remember what your first case was like I do um, I over 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 prepared <laughs> 
I can't tell you how much I overprepared. Um, and it was a social security disability case that I got to advocate as an attorney and not as a summer intern. And I remember taking it into the hearing and the judge didn't even let me speak. He just let me present, like make an opening statement mm -hmm. of the name of your podcast. And then um, after that, it's like, okay, I'm gonna award it. It was the most anticlimactic. <laughs> You're like, but wait, can I I'm just like, let's can I present everything yes. I have? Like, can I please? Yeah, did you read my brief? I mean, come on. <laughs> Obviously, I was very happy for the client. And then later on, after years of practice, I take that kind of win any day. Yeah. Like, as a new lawyer who's just like sort of obnoxious, wanting to like fight and show off yeah. their litigation skills, I'm like, come on, man. Like, give me another shining moment in here. Right. Did it make you not? over prepare as much in future cases um no i still did i i, I really believe in over preparation i yeah. feel like you know and i i i'm not a huge fan of sports but one of the my favorite books is um relentless by tim grover and he writes about michael jordan okay. and, yeah. I, and i think i apply a lot of that kind of mindset to how i practice law and how i lead my team and atlanta divorce law group and it really is like where are the small wins you can take because the end of the day i mean i appreciate all the awards you named at the very beginning, but there's a lot of lawyers that have these awards, yeah. right? There's a mm -hmm. lot of lawyers that have a lot of prestige and graduated even from better law schools than I have, from Harvard or Yale. But what makes the di the differences can sometimes be in the grays. And yeah. it could be something as simple as, fully having a clean, prepared file that comes to court that doesn't have coffee stains on it, right? Um, have Presenting yourself properly, like you got up out of bed and you cared about what the what day- was going were, on, what yeah. What was going on the yeah. day you had. And knowing the nuances in the case that the other side might have not taken time to know. So those, I think those grades add up and then mm -hmm. takes you from good to great to excellent. I, I love like it. Um, what would you say is like the biggest mistake you have seen people make when going through a divorce? I think this is, I tell this to clients all the time. It's when the case, the really emotional cases is when they believe subconsciously, even and maybe not intellectually, that somewhere down the line, this process is gonna give them redemption mm. if they've been badly hurt. Like if mm. we, we, we represent a lot of cases where we have a narcissist on the other side or somebody of a high conflict personality that has caused a lot of hurt, hurt and uh, emotional abuse or sometimes even physical abuse to a client or just isolated them and planted seeds of just like dysfunctional thinking in their mind. And once they finally wake up from it and they realize what's happened, if they don't go through a proper personal healing process and face it as opposed to run away from it, like you mentioned earlier, they actually may believe this process will bring them that redemption of, you know, you were a good husband or you were a good wife and he was bad or she mm -hmm. was bad. And this process will never give you that. This process will actually sometimes overlook some of the most painful, hurtful facts of that you of your case that you went through and we'll get straight through the transaction of the how do we divvy up the assets? How we do how do we allocate alimony? What do we do about the child custody or the child support? And it, case by case, it happens that you know we that those facts are kind of overlooked, and it makes the person feel kind of empty. Mm -hmm. So the most successful results we get is when we're very clear with our client that there is 
this legal process, but then there's your own internal healing that has to happen and you can't seek it through this process because it'll leave you feeling empty and you'll overspend on attorney's fees that won't get you results. Yeah, that's good. I feel like the biggest redemption that they will have is after that healing process. You know, that is when you get the real big F you moment, if you will, you know, of like you, because I think you're right, you know, you do, you want to go into the court, like, I'm going to get all of the house and all of the assets, but you're probably right, they they don't always take into consideration that um, emotional damage, they're they're looking at the facts. You, You're you know? absolutely right. Like we all, we call it like the unhooking or the unplugging mm-hmm. is when whatever the voice they had in your head, right? Even when they were gone, they, if they still had a voice in your head that played a part in your decision making or kept you back or held you back somehow, when you've kind of have that moment of internal redemption of like, this is gone, this voice has been unplugged, this programming of abuse is gone, then it's like, okay, you have no control over me anymore. You yeah. don't have that over me anymore. It's good. It is. Yeah. So obviously you can't be an experienced lawyer without picking up a few interesting cases along the way. And here at Opening Statements, we want to break those cases wide open. Okay. Yeah. So what would you say is one of the most interesting divorce cases that you've ever worked on and kind of think through it, like what made it interesting and what kind of advice would you give to other up and coming attorneys who are going to go into the same area of practice? What recommendations would you give them to? Um, So this might not be the most interesting from a legal perspective, but I think it's most interesting from a family law perspective. Um, We had a client whose husband had um, cheated on her Mm -hmm. and she came to us and just really believed that she has to get, she has to divorce him right now. That's what she has to do. And um, she was a high power executive. He was a former cop. She had the financial upper hand in the relationship. And when we dug into it and I kind of sat down with her, I was like, tell me why this means divorce. Like, tell me. And she couldn't explain it. So to her, it was more like, I want to punish him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, fair enough. That's the healing you need is to punish him. At least you're honest about that. Do you think letting him like go off and be divorced and now he gets to do whatever he wants and um, is is proper punishment? Is that what's gonna make everything fine? Because you also have young children to think about. Mm -hmm. And so she, once we went through that process, um, she realized it's not. She actually wanted to keep the marriage. She wanted to use the divorce process to punish him. So Mm. we came up with a creative solution instead for her. Um, What we ended up doing is we drafted for her a divorce settlement package and we drafted for her a postnuptial agreement. A postnuptial is, you know what a prenup is, right? Yes. You agree to the terms of the assets and the how spousal support in case of divorce before you get married. Yep. Postnup is after you've already been married, you can still come up with those same terms, but it's just called post because you've already been married. So we drafted a settlement agreement for divorce that was pretty aggressive terms in her favor, and then a postnuptial agreement that was also pretty, in you know, uh, favorable in her, in her for her. And we said, okay, here's what you're gonna do: you're gonna take those to him and present it to him and say, would you like to get divorced? and be done with these terms, or would you like to stay married and agree to this postnuptial agreement so that I know that financially by staying with you, I'm safe, 
and that I'm not going to get screwed by giving you another chance. But if you agree to the postnuptial agreement, these are the terms. You have to go to therapy with me and on your own. And I think there were some few other contingencies she built in there. And and it's really giving him the chance to come to a, having his own moment of clarity of, do I actually really want this marriage? Yeah. And it gave her the financial security that if I was to make myself vulnerable again and open up my heart and get back into this marriage, would I have the financial security to know that I don't have to worry about him going out on the marriage again, have an extramarital affair, and then I'm left with... The, the financials of all that. Yeah. Um, I've checked on her a couple of times and they're still married and obviously working on it like every marriage. Every marriage will need it continuous work. work. It's, yep. not, mm-hmm. it's never like a... You can't you set know. it and forget it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But I, I, I love that story because... It was, again, one of those things of becoming very, very clear of, like, what what is it you really want? Yeah. And is there a creative way to get there instead of just quickly reacting, knee-jerk reaction of, okay, cheating means I have to get divorced. Right. Yeah. I think that's just so interesting because sometimes when I think about family law or divorce attorneys in general, I just kind of assume... You guys just take the cases when they come. Like, oh, you're yeah. mad at Bob? Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think it's really interesting to hear just these creative alternatives that you offer to the clients. Well, again, it goes back to like my childhood of challenging the status quo. So, <laughs> right? Um, so you want a divorce, but do you? Yeah, do you yeah. really? So like, let's love, argue about love, it. Yeah, I love to poke at it and be like, let's be really, really clear. This is what you want, and then even within the system, what are ways we can challenge the what's been handed to us? Our options. I'm gonna save that one for a later argument, <laughs> babe. <laughs> You guys are going to be, like, obnoxious after this. Right? <laughs> I always feel like we do. Like, we come home with, like, s- something, mm-hmm. like, new or, like, debate-worthy. It's going to be my next one. Yeah. Right? So that's a that's a good case example. What would you say is, like, the ickiest case you've had? Oh, man. Um, I recently spoke to somebody who this is exactly the type of case I don't want us to take. Um they, they I asked them what kind of a custody plan they wanted, and they said 50-50. And then I asked them, okay, tell me why 50-50. And when I, I feel like it, that's your standard. I'm, it is. I'm starting to learn. Like, it okay, is. this is what you why. want. Why do you want it? Yeah, we got to be clear because these attorney's fees, they cost, the cases cost money, and not just money, it's mental health. You're giving up like a time and all. If we're not 100% clear that you're making a decision based on your values and priorities, we're not going to win anything, right? Mm-hmm. So when I asked and I dug into it, the bottom line was it, it was child support. This person was trying to avoid paying the child support. And that just uh, ugh, oh. it felt very icky. Felt yeah. very, very icky. So that's that's actually not a current client of ours. But that's that's a very quick one I can just think of that I recently dealt with where I was like, that's an ick factor. Yes. Yeah. How do you handle those? And how would you recommend other attorneys handle? Like, how do you tell a client no? Like that? So we at the very beginning of the consultation, this is like part of are ingrained into every one of us that does a consultation, all the attorneys, um, when we kind of tell them what to expect from the initial consultation before they become our client, we tell them part of this consultation is to help you decide, are we the right team for you and for us to make sure this is the right case for us? Mm-hmm. So the most gentle way to do this is to make it about the case and not personal to the mm. client. Um, and because we do, we, we have attorneys who have worked 
really hard for their degrees and to pass the bar um, and then to, you know, get really niche into family law. I mean, we have a, a former judge from the family law judge that's on our team, uh, Judge John Sumner. And I am not going to have these attorneys with that given their life to this career work on cases that doesn't feed their purpose and doesn't yeah. doesn't make them feel like they are doing good work. Yeah, that's good. It is good. I'm just like, I'm learning so much. Right? I mean, do you have, like, obviously, you're very well-spoken. I'm sure, like, you're an excellent debater. Like, what is that like at home? <laughs> With your, because I'm married to an engineer as well, and I know they're very analytical yes. and, like, data-driven. So, like, what is that relationship like? Yeah, so my debating drives him crazy because uh-huh. he is very much like, give me the numbers, give me the statistics. And I can, if I don't have the numbers and statistics, obviously I'm dancing around that with all my words and then yeah. he keeps coming at it. He's a great debater too. Yeah. So yeah, and it's and we thrive in it and we love it. Both him and I very much have a very assertive, like let's go there, let's talk it out, let's go deeper and deeper into yeah. it. So we have three children. One of our children thinks that means we're fighting. The other two... <laughs> And the other two are like, oh, this is great. We're learning so much. So, yeah, it's it's I think for people who are like us and love um, having thought, you know, thought provoking conversations, they would be like, this is fantastic. And I think if you have a more like, you know, let's not rock the boat kind of personality, like, oh, my God, is this fighting? This is uncomfortable. What's going on? We're like, this is great. This is juicy. This is creative processing. My four-year-old. I'm like, no, I don't want to fight with you. (laughs) Well, that's what Nora, my four-year-old, will do. Like, if we're ever in any sort of debate, she immediately goes like this. And I'm like, oh, we're not fighting. It's okay. But like, it's healthy for kids to see it. Yes, And see resolution in it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And for them to, like, if you can leave a very heated debate and be playful afterwards and not take yourself seriously or even make a light joke, that's how I kind of set the tone for my kids of, like, just because, you know, mom and dad don't agree doesn't mean that we don't like each other. We don't like each other. We don't love each other. And it's actually healthy that we don't agree. What is a good, like, I don't know, I'm sure you deal with situations like that a lot, but what would you say is a good practice for like spouses to have those kinds of healthy conversations rather than just like arguing and like the other walking away? So I've actually learned this from my um, our managing partner, Shauna Woods, because Shauna is a very similar personality to me. And she, she says, tell me more. And I've picked that up from mm. her. So I, when I hear immediately something that makes me want to like just jump at it and argue against it, and like I feel that knee jerk like animal instinct of like, ooh, eat that argument alive. Yeah. And, like, calm down. You know, he, he, you know, this is you're not in the uh, safari trying to <laughs> you know, yeah. devour an animal. Like, relax, yeah. l- hear him out. So right I now, always anyway. like take a moment. I breathe and I say, tell me more, because what I have learned is if I go in my immediate instinctual drive of wanting to just crush an argument or wanting to go after it hard, I probably haven't heard it clearly. Mm-hmm. I probably haven't really listened. Um, so I, it's good to just buy myself time and buy my animal instinct some time and, yeah. you know, right? Like let my awareness kick in by saying, tell me more. And then I can let myself feel like, okay, I understand him. Okay, I can hear him. I can empathize with that point of view. Because I think our first reaction to most things is a biological animal instinct knee jerk. And if we can buy ourselves some time, 
by just asking the person to say more. Um, we can hear more and then we can let like human awareness kick in. I like that. I'm going to steal that one because I'm very much that way, too. <laughs> yeah. Like as soon as it starts talking, you know, and I'm like, oh, don't even finish that sentence, you know, but maybe if I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that more. Maybe the end of the sentence would be positive. I didn't make dinner tonight and then I'm like, ah, but it could be. But I'm taking you <laughs> to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. No, um, that's good. I'll have to learn the hard way. <laughs> Do your friends leverage your experience as a divorce attorney like when they're in arguments with their spouses? It's so funny you ask that. When we first make friends, we've had this experience where, um, like let's say I make a new girlfriend mm-hmm. and my husband's made friends with the gut husband. Um, the as soon as the husband finds out that you know his wife is now friends with a divorce attorney or my husband's friend finds out that his they they get a little scared um i actually made a really good friend um when i moved into our new house in co- during covid her name is stacy and she went home and was like, yeah, I met this new friend of mine. Her name is Sarah, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, honey, that's great. What does she do? Blah, blah. Oh, she's a divorce attorney. She's only a divorce <laughs> and he like just took some deep breaths. And then later that night, he was like, honey, do I not make you happy? Yeah, like, why not cherish you? How did you like, meet why her? Why would you ask me? He goes, why are you friends with this new divorce attorney? Oh. But then once he met me and saw that, wow, like she has a great like marriage that she consistently works on, right? Yeah. Great marriage means we work on it it's a daily thing and that she is so much about family and she actually turns away new clients that she doesn't think are a right fit because they're not right to make that decision he felt a lot better about it it's not like every friend you have you're trying to be like you want to get divorced yeah like tell me about your spats that you've had i'm actually probably like the biggest fan of marriage i love love marriage and i i think that i have a unique way of serving that purpose through what i do yeah yeah I, i think so too This episode is brought to you by HyperChat Social, the attorney's social media marketing agency. From branding to lead generation to remote video production, we have experts specializing in all areas of digital marketing, and we're ready to help you take your practice to the next level. Contact us today at 877-359-3399 or book a free consultation online at www.tryhyperchat.com. That's T-R-Y-H-Y-P-E-R-C-H-A-T dot com. All right. So here at the opening statements, we not only value the stories, but we also value the lessons that we've talked about a few of them. But obviously our goal is really to try to foster a good learning environment for all of our loyal fans. What is one thing you know now about owning your practice that you wish you had known earlier on in your career? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, You know, early on in the career, somebody said this to me, but I didn't take it in as much as I should have because I don't think I had the um, what my business coach would call the entrepreneurial maturity to Mm. really understand. Don't get too high with the highs and don't get too low with the lows. And what that means is when you first start your law firm or any business, and this is even true for a new lawyer who's just starting to practice, 
you have that big win or you get that new client in and it's like, it's a great day. It's amazing. Everything's going to be so good. Like the whole future set because you had a good day and a few good things happened. And then the next day, you know, uh, you have a unhappy client or uh, you get a bad phone call or something goes wrong in your business. And it's like, oh my God, it's a terrible day. Everything's wrong. I, I don't know what I'm doing. And so you, you're constantly doing this up and down thing and roller coaster ride of emotions and you'll quickly burn yourself out. Mm. Um, and so keeping a more longitudinal view of like, why are you doing this, right? It goes back to Sarah wanting to challenge everything. But <laughs> what is the bigger vision? Right? Yeah. And so it took me some time to really understand the point of what this business, this law firm was to serve for me. It's A, a self-expression of my love for family and my mm -hmm. love for marriage. Um, B, it serves my family in a great way because as a business owner, I get to set my own schedule. Mm -hmm. I get to determine the priorities for myself and it allows me to be the kind of mother I wanna be. And when those things are very clear to me of the personal mission of family and um, advocate for marriage and the, also the personal desire to be an amazing wife and be an amazing mother, then the ups and downs of daily activity in the business can't burn me out because I'm really, you know, going for the longer marathon versus the sprint of every day. And that th there was some rough moments with that initially, right? Because you're in, you are looking for this momentum in the beginning and yeah. you're doing anything to just feel this momentum of like, okay, this business is real. This law firm is real. It's really happening. So every little setback or a little win just feels so monumental, but in a 10-year span, it's it's all really spec. And then obviously there's business owners lot larger than mine that can tell you even like a 10-year span is not much, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing I would tell anybody that's new into a profession or into a venture of business or anything. It's just don't get too high with the highs and too low with the lows and so that you don't burn out and just keep your vision on that on that bigger yeah. thing that you're after. I, mean, I feel like it just not only pertains to what you're doing like professionally or starting a business, but just kind of how you should just operate. Like Absolutely. Because I mean, your relationships will be better that way if you just... You'll be a stronger leader in yeah. all aspects of life, right? Nobody wants to follow the person that they just don't know what's coming next. The unpredictable person, yeah. Yes. They want the even. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you could go back in time and make a different decision somewhere along in your career, what would you do? What was it and what would you do differently? Um, or would you even do it? Man, so... I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, I don't have a lot of regrets in life, but I don't think that that means there are no regrets. Um, so I, I, this might not be fully answering your question. I really have made a conscious decision of taking all the things in, in my life that were, might have been hard or might have taken me down a different road and say, okay, how can I turn this into the better route? Mm. You know, like I, I, I really do wish I had started off with family law from the very beginning because I just love it so much. And it, it, it was always a bigger calling to me than social security disability. But I, I wouldn't take back a single social security case that I won or a single social security hearing that I did and all the people that I truly feel like I was able to help. 
Um, so even that, I have a hard time saying, but I think that takes time. I think it takes yeah. time to look back on aspects of life that you, you know, at some point I've had a regret over. It takes time to look at it and say, no, 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 that was, uh, that it was, was right the for right. me right then. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's easy to be like, oh, well, I mean, I could have, should have, would have done this, but I think it's a good outlook. Right. Yeah. How do you, being a wife, a mother, and a business owner, how do you balance it <laughs> all out? How do you out? juggle it all? I, I think the problem is, is I don't. <laughs> I love the honesty right? there. <laughs> because, well, like, tell us your secrets. Yeah, I have a very open book. My husband said this to me once because... So this might actually be a way to answer your regret question too. I was looking back at a picture of myself with my daughter in 2017 when she was one years old and she's my second child. And there's a picture of my husband and our two children before we had the third one. And I think we're like on a family vacation in Egypt and anything. And he texted it to me and he goes, look at this, look at this, how little they were and how cute they were and look at us. And I was like, I look at this picture because 2017 was a very critical moment in both of my law firms. And especially it was like a year into Atlanta Divorce Law Group. I was like, Sham, I look at this picture and I think I'm not present. I look mm. at this and I feel like, man, my daughter's one and I don't see myself being fully present here. Like, where was my mind? I think it was fully wrapped up in business. And he put me at an ease. He goes, you know, it's like playing an orchestra. Sometimes, like, the strings have to come in hard. Sometimes it's the bass. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you there's there's different parts of the orchestra that are have a, di- have a timing that they need to step in. So I don't think I am always balancing everything perfectly. There are times where I'm going pretty hard in on the business because it demands something specific and I am buying myself time in the business so that I can perhaps have a summer with mm-hmm. my children where I'm you know, doing all the right things that I wanna do with them, giving them a very family adventure experience. Um, there are certain things that are top priority that are just non-negotiable and that's definitely like my marriage and my children. But am I always at the same level with those? Not always, you know, but there's a baseline that has to be met for my marriage and my children. Um, But I think there's definitely times where the business gets a lot more focus and there's times I can step away a little bit and focus on something personal I wanna do. So I, I don't know if there's this perfect balance and I think, telling ourselves that there is, we might be. F- we can do it all. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I, yeah. I think that might be um, setting ourselves up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I think like he's being aware of right. it. You know, yeah. even aware of the fact that you can't do it all, mm-hmm. you know, but there's times that's where 100%. your spouse steps in. It's good to have He becomes support. the strings. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And I, and you know, I think make also not being a victim to it, like realizing there's times yeah. where I'm like, chocolate cake all day every day (laughs) and this is a conscious decision I want to eat what I want to eat right now and I'm not going to sit there and feel bad about it and you know torture myself over the fact that I'm not being the healthiest person when the time comes and I need to make a different decision and just be in the gym and work out and eat healthy I will so you just have to recognize that there's these internal timing of season that you just dance and flow with Mm -hmm. um, and make it from a conscious place. 
All right. So we have one final segment, um, and it's a segment that hopefully, maybe a little bit, puts you in the hot seat. We call it our closing arguments. Yes. Yes. I'm so sorry. I was like thinking about my question. So this week's closing arguments, as it is every week, we're playing a game of Plead the Fifth. Ooh. Okay. You're probably familiar with Plead the Fifth. I should be. <laughs> yeah. We're going to ask you three hard-hitting questions, okay. like life-changing questions. Oof. And you can know. only pass or plead the fifth on one of them. Okay. 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 You wishing you had that glass of wine now? You guys should have warned me about this. Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But then it wouldn't be as much fun, right? No, it wouldn't. All right. I'm gonna go go first because I wrote one down. Oh, you did. Okay. I did. So at the top of the episode, you mentioned um, kind of what got you into this career path was your mouth and running your mouth. Um, what would be a time where your running your mouth got you into trouble? Oh, a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find like the one time um, the biggest the time. worst one <laughs> the biggest one mm. okay so the problem is I'm also really good at running my mouth to get out of trouble <laughs> that's good you like walked it back really yeah. quickly <laughs> like no 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 that's not what I meant um, I was not talking to you judge <laughs> yeah man I'm really trying to think of one that I got my, my myself my mouth got me in trouble hmm I mean, might have been in like a middle school or elementary school where I like, okay, yeah, okay, I got it. Um, I literally one day in class in second or third grade, the teacher was just opening up the, the conversation. And this is in Sweden. I grew up in Sweden. So we had very open dialogues in class. And I took that wave. <laughs> and the teacher was like, okay, let's talk about like how everybody's feeling today and how everybody's doing. And I just like raised my hand. I was like, um... I don't like Friedrich in our class. And then my teacher's like, what? I was like, like, I was, I was like well, you asked us how we feel today and how things are going, and I'm just telling you. And then I remember looking back, and poor Friedrich was like red in the face and crying. And we're still in touch today. I love him so much. He's like one of my um, dear childhood friends that I still stay in touch with from Sweden, went and visited him years later. But I will never forget looking back and saying, okay, you don't get to say everything that's That in comes mind. out of your mouth. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it was like, it really stands out. To, I'm sure I've done this Do you still more. apologize? to him too yeah, I think I did when I went to visit him <laughs> in Sweden and I was like Do you, he didn't even remember it uh, okay. but I was like it had a profound effect on me of the fact of like even in a open forum where they're asking for you to open up your feelings and whatever how you just still have to be careful with him. people's yeah. feelings yeah he was bugging you that day, though. And he was bu- I don't know what he did. He must have, like, thrown a snowball at me in the wrong direction or something. Something. Okay, that's good. Um, I've, got, I've got this one. Um, you have a lot of competitors yes. in the area. Who is the cringiest competitor you have? Ooh, am I naming names? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, we have a competitor. Talk about hurting feelings. I know. <laughs> I, I want to like name like truly name one that I can tell you why they, they it's cringy for me. We have a competitor that um, has actually actively come at, come after hiring a couple of our staff Ooh. members. Yes. And so just to give you background, most of our competitors, the ones I'm aware of, um, 
I have a very friendly relationship with them. And, you know, one of them is Bob Tharp from Meriwether and Tharp, who's a mentor of mine. He's the one I worked for in the summers. Another one is Ella Aretha, um, and I love her. We actually openly, um, if, you know, something happens and we're hiring, whatever, we sometimes will openly talk to each other or even talk to each other about market. What I thought was... Um, distasteful about the way this person went about it was that we're in the same community and it was in a very manipulative way um, yeah. and coming after coming after our staff members like that so I just thought it was bad business and that just tells me like what kind of what kind of values are you placing in your own firm because um, mm-hmm. it is we're we are in a um, capitalistic society so I completely appreciate that you got to do what you got to do for your business but you also have to take into context that we are in the same community. We are all lawyers in the same community. It's a community. tight-knit. Yeah, it's a tight-knit community. And um, just, just do things respectfully and also um, be aware of the way you bring in you know, team members and you bring in clients. Um, what kind of value does that set in your side, your firm? I'm not going to name names, though. <laughs> so I, she gave us an example. She gave us a good example. We'll count it. Okay. No, all right. We won't. <laughs> no, we won't count it. We're going to have to do an extra one. Okay. No, not an extra um, one. All right. I'm going to try to think of. So we won't name names in this one, but we all share a similar person in common. Mm. Mm. What's your. Um, what would you say is. The this person's um, worst habit. If you could change one thing about this person. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I'm not playing the fifth on this one. She's just rolling through all the list. He, of all items. That, yeah. he has the same habit as I do. He talks really, really fast, and he's so smart that as he's talking really fast and he's done with his sentence, you're like, there was 50 things in there that I'm not sure I picked up because they're so intelligent, mm-hmm. but you're going so fast that I may, like, I just have Can you like to... say it again? But yeah, like... yeah. But I mean, probably one of the smartest people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do love how fast he speaks because I'm a fast talker too and I love that pace. But I may, I don't know if he's ke- everybody's keeping up. No, 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 yeah. no, yeah. No, no, no. I was gonna like if he ever yeah. if he ever makes you do math problems, it's not fair. I don't know if you've ever gotten in a oh, math I battle. Know. I would not. With him, him, randomly will just ask us like, "Oh, like what is thirty percent of one thousand five hundred and sixty-two?" And I'm like, and he's like, mm. and we're like, uh, twelve. I have no yeah. clue. I have no clue what you're asking me. He does that in real time. Yes. yes. No, he does. He's crazy. Like, I don't understand why you didn't understand. It's like one of those crazy geniuses that's yes. actually very likable and social, which is which fantastic. is odd. Yes. Which is you odd. know, it's a little bit usually yeah. they're more off in yeah. social settings but he is. <laughs> so my criticism he really be comes off. from a place of envy let's be honest yeah that's yeah. fair all right well thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the opening statements podcast i thought we weren't letting her slide with that question let's it ask was her one definitely more. a plead the fifth if you think it was a plead the fifth should we should name the name it and i plead the fifth on it no I, we'll just ask one more question we'll just like right, right, can we do just you have another one fourth? i was gonna ask like the tried and true no that one's lame <laughs> Never mind. What? I've got one. I've got one. It's coming to me. It's a little slow. Go, go. For it. I'm not a fast talker, fast thinker. I'm Ooh. running down the minutes of where I'm going to interject the Jeopardy music. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Um, okay. What is. I don't know. I was going to say, like, the worst fight, like, the one that's, like, kind of unrecoverable that you've had with your husband. Mm. Oh. 
But you have just like something I mean, that you keep it's reverting been back to because we're still, still there. But like still it's just like a hot topic, and you just like don't do it. It's like you're gonna make me mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we have agreed to disagree. We do not agree. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we definitely have, and this is very much in line with the other person you guys were talking about who, who we have in common. Um, we are definitely have different views of um, budgeting for shopping. Oh. Yes, so that's probably, I, I'm very, I have a very, uh, I love my Italian fashion designer tastes. Mm-hmm. And and he, he plays along, but I think it's just like, this is insane. Yeah, yeah. we just won't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretend yeah. it's not happening. Yeah, I'm like, just... Cover your eyes when all is the it the boxes financial arrive. infidelity. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Thankfully, we we've come to a point where we have a budget for it. We've taken the um, oxygen financial Ted Jenkins. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like advice on you have a budget and you go with it. But he we call it the Sarah Splurge account. There you go. And I like in that, that way. Though. You know, he, he doesn't. He doesn't have to it. look he at it. Yeah, it doesn't. It's it doesn't have to be cringeworthy for him. Yeah, it's fair. That's what we did. I have like my own. Like I'm like, don't look at it. Like don't log into my Amazon mm-hmm. account. You know, like just don't. You don't need to know. Yeah, it's very healthy for a marriage. Truly, it really is. Yeah. But, are really but that good. is the key, though. You have to have like the agreeable terms. Yes, and conditions. Absolutely. You know, like you have, to have boundaries around it, yes. so that your partner feels safe that they're you know yes. agreeing to this, and then you have to abide by them. That's the hard part. That might be the hard part. Yes. Like, I still I'm like, want well, to put I more money in there. I underspent this month. So I've been like adding it on. Yeah. To yeah. this Especially month. when you have a challenger personality like me too. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much thank for joining guys. us. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, for everyone listening, you guys can check us out at HyperChat Social. We're on all the social medias. Remember to please give us a five-star review everywhere that you're listening to us now. And we will catch you next time. Case, Case closed. closed.